0: You know, Memorial Day is really probably the, as far as church, it's probably the least favorite Sunday of a pastor because it is notoriously the least attended Sunday in the United States because people are gone and whatnot. And uh, you know what? I don't care if none of you showed up this morning. I'm glad I did because <laughs> God is good. And, uh, mm. When we were singing that song, I bowed down on my knee. It's like it's like somebody just kicked me in the back of the legs and I fell on my knees just overwhelmed. Yeah, I need to quit singing about it and do it. But I just I hit the floor on my knees and, and I, I, didn't, I didn't sing. I just bawled my eyes out thinking about how good God is. I mean, we, we trust in his unfailing love, uh, the works he's done in our lives. You know and if if you had no if if you were just totally clueless of how good God is and 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 the goodness that he's done in your life when we were singing that song you you're broke something wrong with you you need to get it fixed because God is so good and uh you know and and, and just thinking about do you realize I mean today's Memorial Day and we're talking about what men have died to secure in our country, and the freedoms that we have. But think about what, what you know, we, and we generalize that. You know, we, we need to identify with it individually what men have done for us. Uh, but even more so, we need to identify individually what Jesus did for you. You know, we're talking, you know, the amazing grace, uh, oh, Lord, the Lord is good. promised good to me. And you know what he has? It don't matter if my house burns down today or tomorrow, if I lose everything I got. The Lord, it doesn't, it doesn't nullify the promises that God has for me in my life. Because he's, he's either going to fulfill it now or later, but it will be fulfilled in our lives. And, and today, you know, here we are thinking about Memorial Day and all these things, and we're we're talking about life. And We've been talking about from dream to destiny. And we're talking about the life of Joseph and how Joseph, you know, the Bible says that, that when we were in the womb, that God knew us. The moment that we were, came to being, God knew us. God knew what we were going to do. God knows those that are going to choose Him. God knows the people that are going to deny Him. God knows the people that are going to live in eternity with Him. And uh, and God knows, and God had a plan for your life when you were created. God had a, a God had a will for you. God had a destiny for you. You know, we're talking about dream to destiny. This is about how do I fulfill what God created me to do? And so many people, you know, I, we, we grew up and with such a with so many blinders on in our life, and you know, when I was a little kid, it's like. God only has plans for preachers and missionaries, but God has a plan for every single soul that ever you know took, took their first breath and opened their eyes from their mother 's wombs god says i 've got a plan for you and and you hear so many testimonies of people some some got these grand testimonies and and, and i 've heard testimonies of preachers who never became that that very popular, but because of what they did, there were other men who came into being that totally changed the face of the planet because of the work that God had called them to do. You see, anybody that's, anybody that's known and famous, somebody led them to the Lord. Somebody spoke the gospel to them. Uh, somebody influenced them. Yesterday, uh, we were out here pulling a little bit of slab so we could get the, the pavilion finished uh, to close in. And, and there was a, a man there named uh, Carlos and. And, and he asked me who I was. I said, I'm the pastor. And Carlos said, you know, 20 years ago, I came to this country. I didn't know who Jesus was and never heard of him. But within four weeks of being here, somebody shared the gospel with me. And he says, I've been a Christian ever since. And I thought, wow, man, that's, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, and he's still serving the Lord today. It was sweet. And he told me, he says, if you need any more concrete work, don't let me know. I will not even charge. I just want to come help do God's work. And so, I mean, it's just amazing to see that God has this plan. And and, uh, today I want you to go to Psalms 105, 16 through 19. I know we've been in Genesis talking about the life of Joseph, and we still are. But here it talks about Joseph in Psalms and how it relates to us. Now, I want you to know that God has a dream for us, therefore a destination. and And obviously a lot of us want to get there. But what's it going to take for us to get there? What, what's going to have to happen? Um, how many of you know the scripture where it says, you know, if my people will humble themselves, I will heal their land? In, in the Old Testament, in, uh, in 2 Chronicles. Well, here's the deal that, that's what you call an if and then prophetic word, all right? See, a lot of times we think, well, if God says it, it's going to happen, it's, it's, it's a done deal. But there are conditional. Words of God, and then there's unconditional words of God. We know some unconditional words is that, is that, uh, is that Jesus is going to come back. Amen? That, that, that those that are saved are having eternity in heaven. But, but this here was in the, uh, is a conditional word from God's mouth that said, Hey, if, if my people will humble themselves, I will heal their land. I mean, we've heard this a lot. And, and so there, is a, there was a condition placed upon that. So there are if and then prophecies all through the Bible. Uh, Joseph, you know, he came into the dream when he was old. Anybody remember? Seventeen years old. But when did he actually step into the destiny that God had for him? When he was thirty years old. So it took all these years of him uh, being tested. by you know, because that's what this series is about. We're we're talking about dream the destiny. We're talking about ten tests that Joseph went through to 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 walk in the destiny that God created him for. And today we're going to talk about the prophetic test. You know, we've talked about the pit test. We've talked about the pride test. We've talked about the purity test. We've talked about the palace test. We've talked about all these different different things. And all of them are a measure almost of stewardship in different areas of our life. But today we're going to talk about the prophetic test. How many of you have ever had a prophetic word spoken over you and seen it come true? How I many of you have ever had a prophetic word spoken over you and you haven't seen it come to pass yet? Now, I know some people think, well, prophecy don't, no, prophecy is real today. All the gifts of the Holy Spirit are available today. And God operates in all of them, and the deal is, is the Holy Spirit owns them. And if you're filled with the Spirit, you can operate in any of them. I remember the first time I ever gave a word, I was in in Poland with a bunch of people that didn't speak English. I'm like, God, this is how you're going to break me in? Really? This is not very convenient. Couldn't you, like, do this in America with a bunch of people I'm comfortable with? And uh, I'll talk more about that in a moment. But you know what, here's the deal. If you notice during worship, people will come up here, and they'll usually come to me, and it's during worship, and they'll say, hey, I have a word from the Lord. At no time do we put sequined suits on them and give them a wig to get up here and give this prophetic word. We get up here and you say, Hi, my name is John Smith, and I have a word from the Lord. And this is what I feel like he's saying. And sometimes those words are very, very strong. But the Bible says that that, that God gives us individuals words to build up and encourage one another. And so it's important that when somebody has a word... I mean, how many of you have ever... Uh, the proverb says that a, that a word in due season is like, I can't remember exact all oh, you know, up on, up on the head. It's, it's a good thing, right? How many of you have ever went to make a decision uh, in your life and you're like, God, I need you to speak in my life right now. And some old white-haired mature believer came up and said, you know what, the Lord shared something with me, and I want to share it with you. And, and you said, there's my answer. Okay? How many of you have ever got a bum prophetic word though? Somebody walked up, you know, and, and you know, I, get, I hear stuff all the time. I mean, I've had people walk up and say, while you were up there preaching, I saw purple horseshoes and green diamonds and blue emeralds. And I'm like, well, you just ate too much Lucky Charms last night. That's not a prophetic word. You know, a prophetic word is going to, like, lead you somewhere. It's not going to just leave you in the, in, the, in the open, like, what the heck do I do with this? It's going to give you some clues. Now, do we know everything? No, and we'll discuss that in a moment as well. So, let's, let's go to Psalms 105, 16 through 19. My gosh, man, we should have just worshipped for three hours. Mmm. We can always go back. Do y'all know that God is good? Do y'all know that he was here today? Now, he's here all the time, but today he was, he had a really spe- I don't know, maybe he was wanting to reward me for coming to church on Memorial Day when I could have been at the lake. I don't know. You know, today was a double test of faith. You know, it's raining really bad, and it's Memorial Day. So I want to give kudos to all of you that decided to be faithful to the Lord. Verse 16. And another thing on that, look. We're not against vacations, okay? But if you go on vacation, I promise, within 30 minutes drive, there's a church nearby. Go to church, wherever you are. Wherever you are. Because it's more important that you honor God on the Sabbath than it is to hear the most outstanding message that you've ever heard. The deal is, is I'm there to, to honor the Lord. So if I'm at the beach, I'm going to church. Yeah, I promise you this. I, I didn't do it one time after the Lord put this on my heart, and, and I paid dearly for it. You know, he, being a good father, he taught me better. But, but no matter where I'm at, you can know this, on Sunday morning, wherever I'm at, I'm at church. Amen? So, Psalms 105, Verse 16. When he summoned a famine on the land, this is God, he summoned a famine on the land, and broke all supply of bread. He had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with feathers. His neck was put in a collar of iron until what he had said came to pass. Now, what, what was it that he had said? Remember, he had a dream when he was 17 years old. He told his brothers that, hey, we were, the dream basically interpreted was this, is that you are going to serve me. I'm going to be a master over you. I'm going to be in charge. Now, the problem was he saw it about him and not about the purpose that God had for him, which was what? To provide for millions of people in a famine for seven years. But listen to this. Until what he had said came to pass. Until that prophetic word. Now where did this prophetic word come from? God. He didn't get it out of a cracker jack box and a gift wrapper. He didn't get it on the side of a, of, of a, of a porta potty. You know why he was using the restroom? He got a dream from God. This is from God. So this is God's words, right? The prophetic word here, okay? It says, until what he had said... What God had said, and what Joseph had said, that God had said, came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord tested him. Now, if you look in the King James Version and other versions, it says this. It'll say in verse 19, Until, what, uh, until the word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. So there's word here used twice. Now, how many of you are beginning to realize, after hearing some of our sermons here, that, you know, for example, the word praise. If you go back, where where it says praise in our Bible, but if you go back and look at the Greek and the Hebrew, it may use something else. It may say clap, or dance, or shout, or sing, or something else. So a a lot of the Hebrew words in the Old Testament and the Greek words in the New Testament got consolidated they mean the same but they're even more specifically detailed if you go back and look at the root word well here in this in this here if you go here where it says that what he had said and then it says the word of the lord said there uh is a common word in in the in the uh in the hebrew there it's used like 14 uh 1441 times roughly it's a common word for something that was said okay okay so it's just said. Now, the, the, here the word of the Lord is Imrah. And it means the literal word of God. Now, what do we know to be the, the, the literal word of God? This, this is the word of God right here. Now, but here's the deal. What was said was from God as well. Correct? Okay. But, then there's, but it was being checked by the literal word of God, Imrah. And so what we, need, what we need to see here is this, is until the prophetic word came to pass in Joseph's life, he was tested by what? The word of God. And this here is, is what this is about today. And this is what some of us, so many of us need to hear today. I remember when I was 12 years old and I knew that God had called me to preach. Now from the time I was 12 till now, I've had many doubts, I've had many concerns, but God... Has showed up in my life time and time and time again, confirming you're called. This is what you're to do. And so I, I, you know, I, if anyone, you know, understand where a lot of you are, you feel like God's got a destiny for you. You feel like God's got a calling for you, but you're not really sure. What well, is it? Is it real? Is it not real? What do I do in the meantime? Because you also have other people. They get a word, and they. Don't do what God wants them to do at the moment. They try to move fast forward. I mean, what what happened to to Joseph? He had to wait years. Yeah, we were ta- uh you were talking about that Wednesday night, right? I mean, William, how many years was it from the time that you felt called to be at this lead at this church till you actually did? Fourteen years. Fourteen years. You know me. I mean, from the time I was twelve, and then and but here's the deal: when I actually surrendered my life to do it when I was in my early 20's I didn't just step into church and and begin preaching first of all because I didn't know what the heck I was doing I had to learn you know And, and, and and, and, and most of all I had to find myself faithful to the Lord in the little things so that I could be found faithful in the bigger things I try to get this across to people so many people man they love thinking about the dream they just don't want to pay the price to get there Jesus said count the cost if you're gonna make a tower or a building, you actually gotta sit down and do the math. Americans are terrible at math. Terrible. What's two plus two? Okay, but here's where everybody else fails. You make thousand dollars, but you out your your bills are two thousand dollars. You know what I mean? We don't we don't do the math. We we can't do it, we can't do it in our budgets, but we can't also do it in our lives. We can't do it in our marriages. We can't do good addition in our marriages. We can't do a good addition with my kids. He's bad, he's bad, he's bad. I don't discipline, I don't discipline, I don't discipline. That equals a bad, terrible kid. It just, life is pretty much math. You've got to learn to add and subtract. But until the prophetic word in your life comes to pass, you're going to be tested by this word. And so and here's, here's the deal, the, the Imrah, the literal word of God. Here's a couple of examples of that specific word being used in Scripture. Psalms twelve six. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. Psalms 1830 says, this God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves what? True. It says, He is a shield for all those who take refuge in Him. Now, these are examples of the word Imrah, so this is the literal true word of God. It is pure, it is good, it's like silver refined to its purest form. There's nothing bad about it. Now, Psalms 105, 19, if you read it in the New Living Translation, this is what it says, okay? We just read it a while ago uh, in ESV, but we're going to read it in the New Living Translation, all right? Because we're talking about this. Until the prophetic word comes true in your life, God's going to test you with what? The literal word. The word of God. Psalms 105.19 in the, in the New Living Translation says this. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams. Okay? The Lord tested Joseph's character. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. And so we, you know, one of the, the biggest deals that we need to realize is for us to, to walk into this dream that God has given us we need to walk with God in his word day to day to get us there. You know, this is a synopsis of the whole Dream to Destiny series that we're doing. We're talking about tests. We talked about the pride test, the pit test, the palace test, the purity test. Now we're talking about the prophetic test. And and there's so many people that that have had a word spoken into their lives whether whether it was given whether the Holy Spirit spoke it into your life personally or whether a, a, you got it through through someone else or or whatever. But here's the deal. Whether you exactly know it or not, there's a word for you that God has spoken into your life. God has a destiny for you. See, the prophecy is simply this, to get you to the destiny that God's called you to be in. To do and serve the purpose that God created you for. That's the reason for the prophetic, to get you where God wants you to get. God's not going to give you a word to stop you or to slow you down or for you to change courses or for you to not do what he wants you to do. But God has a purpose. But God tests our faith. Listen, God tests our faith with prophetic words. God tests our faith with prophetic words, but he tests our character with his literal word. So how are you you doing on, on, on each of these tests? Like I said, today is a two for one test. Do you honor the Sabbath? It's Memorial Day and it's raining cats and dogs. Obviously you guys did get on that test. Give yourself a hand. There you go. All right. So everybody's like, Oh, how did I do? Well you're here. So what do we how do we how do we get through this? How many of you know that there's false prophets? How many of you know that there's true prophets? How I many of you realize that you've got to be able to discern between the two? How do you tell a true prophet from a false prophet? By their fruit, which is his character, which is judged by the literal word of God. Today, uh, I saw that post you made, Danny Kaspar, on Facebook. And, and and apparently it was it was a post he posted it and I, I thought man that's an awesome illustration for today. In India, apparently there was this guy that goes he's going around proclaiming that if you men castrate yourselves, you'll be closer to God. And 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 it says that 400 men went along with this. And you know and so so some guy gets up and says hey if you do this to yourself then you'll be closer to God. Now, but some people believed it. Now, how in the heck do you fall for such a thing? You know, first of all, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's, they didn't judge it with this. I mean, here's the deal. If God wants us to be fruitful and multiply, that kind of goes in the opposite direction. Amen? You can't, those don't, those don't go hand in hand. God, God created us, in a way, to be fruitful and multiply, not just in character, but also in little kids that grow up with godly character, that's what he designed us to do. What did he tell Adam and Eve? I mean, imagine if that would have happened when Adam was the only man. And and, and, and if, if that was what Satan told him, said, hey, you know, if you do this, you'll be closer to God, none of us would be here. You know, so, I mean, you can, there's some goofy people out there saying some goofy things. And we need to be able to discern and judge, hey, this is godly or it's not. You can be tormented by somebody even that you think to be a prophetic person say something in your life it could jack your brain up going whoa because you have to be you have to be mature enough i've seen Sharissa or and and people here at the church you know get words from people that you know are reputable but at the same time it's like what but you know what that doesn't mean that you just jump on it and get on you know get on down the road you've got to judge it and test it let's so what do we do when, when, we, when we get words, how do we make sure that we're doing what God has wanted us to do and we're aimed in the right direction? Well, the first thing is this, is I submit my word to his word. That's the first thing. You see, here's the thing. God, God has his prophetic word. This, this is his plan for you, his destiny for you, that he's spoken in your life, uh, whether you know it exactly or not or whatnot. And then there's his literal word. Like I said, until that prophetic word comes to pass, we're going to be tested by this literal word. We're going to be, this is, this is what we need to be focused on until what God has for us begins to, to come to pass. So we have to understand that. But the, 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 the problem with the prophetic word is, is uh, there's a human element there. You hear what I'm saying? Because the prophetic word usually comes from people and they're giving you a word and they're saying, hey, this is what the Lord, I believe, wants you to do. I want you to move to Michigan and open up a, you know, a, a, a fish farm or something like that. You know, I mean, you just, if, if you just went, like I said, this, this prophet in India, he just gets up and says, hey, do this, you'll be closer to God, 400 guys do it. You can't live like that. You've got to discern the prophet through the word of God. You've got to judge the word by the word of God. But you've got to submit your word to his word. And this is where the word of faith churches get messed up. They want God to submit to their word instead of them submitting their word to God's word. In other words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create my dreams, God, and you're going to make them happen. And No, that's not the way it works. God creates the destiny. God creates the dream. God creates you, and you need to line up with Him. He's not going to line up with you. Amen? The Bible says this. It says, who are we to, to, to look at the potter, us being the clay, and say, what are, you, what are you doing up there? We're the clay. We're the mud. He is the molder. And we need to conform to his fingers and to his grip, whether it be firm, whether it be soft. We need to conform to him, not conform him to us. Because I've had people walk up with some crazy stuff. I've had women come up and say, hey, you know, I love this guy. He's full of the devil and hates God, won't come to church. But I'm going to move in with him. And I'm going to say, really? She goes, yeah, I prayed about it, and God told me to do that. I'm like, I don't think so. And it's never worked out for them yet. People that have this mentality that I'm going to lay the dream out and God's going to make it work for me. So the human element is the difference between God's prophetic word and God's literal word. You see, we can't argue with this. I can't say that this said something that it didn't. But I could maybe fudge, you know, a prophetic word a little bit. But... When you speak the word of God, it's got to be judged and tested. We'll, and we'll see that in a moment. 1 Corinthians 13.9 says this, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. You don't know everything. When I went to Poland and I gave that word, you know, I'm like, I'm standing up here preaching, and um, I'm done. And this is what they do in Poland when you're done preaching. Everybody comes down. Like, there would not be a seat in, uh, set in at the end of the message. Everybody comes down. They get shoulder to shoulder. They're all like, you come pray for me. And I want a word from God right now. And you're like, really? Oh, God. What if I don't have nothing, you know? And so I, I remember praying for all these people. I mean, it was 100, 150 people there. You know, about, you know, it was about many people as in this room. And I'm like, God, I'm supposed to prophesy to all these people? And I'm, and I'm like, okay. So I, I go and I start praying. I don't have nothing for you. I don't have nothing for you. Yeah, no soup for you, no soup for you, no soup for you. But there was one guy I was praying for, and God said, I'm fixing to, give, I'm fixing to bless him in his business. And so I go down the row. I pray for everybody, and at the end of the service, I tell my interpreter, hey, I've got a word for that guy. She goes, oh, really? That's my husband. I'm like, well, hey, isn't that neat? So we go to him, and I just tell him this simple little word, and then a year later, I get confirmation that they were English teachers in Poland, Sam had went there and taught, and uh, what's your buddy's name that came and visited us? Foite, yeah. He came and visited us. We were all sitting in my house, and, and we it came up, and we asked him what happened to this couple. And he said, oh, man, it was eating neat. Within, you know, six months or a year after you, about that time, uh, he said that, you know, they were running out of room for their school where they taught English, and you taught there, what, a year? Yeah, and, and, and so they were running out of room, didn't know what to do. Somebody gave them a castle. Like a real medieval Polish castle. And I'm like, okay, this is good. I heard right. You know, cause you, you know, cause you have you have to wonder for a while, am I crazy? You know, you know, or, you know, but, but to me, I mean, you, you learn God is saying this and I need to say it. You know, and, and I, this is the best example I can give is that to me, you know, I I I never I, I still can't dance. Y'all saw me, I was mortified at the at the at the dance. Y'all seen all the pictures of me on Facebook that William made? I'm like, "I'm not frowning, I'm just i'm I'm like uh i I'm, I'm just trying not to wet myself, I'm such fear, but I'm looking at the floor i'm I'm trying not to look at the crowd and, and I'm trying to do that hip hop stuff, you know, and uh but some cool memes came out of it, you know, so everything has a reason but uh but you know when when God speaks to you that way, to me, it's like you know, it reminds me if you, you want to dance with that. Good-looking seventh-grade girl in junior high, but you're just petrified to go ask her to dance. But you know, if you don't do it, you'll never have this opportunity again, unless you repeat seventh grade a couple of times. But for the most of us, you know, I repeated sixth grade, so that doesn't apply to me. But we have to submit our word to God's word. Uh, but so we know in part. But some of us, some people put God, put the prophetic word they have over this word, and you can't do that. You've got to submit the word to God. And some people are not going to fulfill their destinies because they're not submitted to the literal word of God. You're not faithful. You don't give. You're not doing what God has called you to do. You can't submit to godly authority. And you wonder why I'm not going to do what God wants me to do. You've got to be tested by this word. So, So you have to submit your word to God's word. The second thing is we've got to test the word. So I submit my word to God's word, but I also, I test the word. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18-21 says this. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Not you the color, but you. It says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. It says, but test everything. And hold fast what is good. 1 Corinthians 14, 29 says, Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. Let the others weigh what is said. So we're not a one-man show. God created a body with, with, that He's able to speak to several people. And, and sometimes when you come into a hard place, you've got to get some other brothers and sisters you know, confirmation on, Hey... Just in the other case, I've seen people get a word that just didn't didn't feel right with their spirit and they had to come, you know, to me or William or Dad or one of the other elders and say, Hey, I got this word, and immediately we're like, That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. That's not God. Because people are the human element when it comes to giving words. And it's like throwing it's like throwing water through a dirty screen. You see, God's God's word is pure, and when God gives it to somebody to give, it's pure, but Weak are a screen. It has to go through us. But here's the deal. If we're dirty, what's going to come out the other side with that water? Dirt. We're going to murk it up. You know, we, we look through a mirror ever so dimly. I mean, we can murk up the water. Because here's the deal. People can get a word. And they can give it with a wrong heart. They can give it with an attitude. So that's why our character has to be in line with the word of God when we proclaim what God has laid upon our hearts. So we can, we can be a dirty, dirty screen. Uh, and some people say, well, what if there what there but there was a sign I mean I, but I'll tell you what you know God's always about you, you people are looking for a sign and because some people come up and say, hey, th- this happened today, it must be a sign that this is God. Let me tell you something. devil gives signs as well you say well some they, they knew something about me when I was a kid that nobody would know let me tell you something the devil was around when he was a kid. If you were a teenager, especially he was there." He knows everything you've done. So, if somebody comes up and says, Hey, you know, the, I have a word for you. And I remember, you know, this when you were a kid and whatnot. No, the devil, because here's, here's the deal this, Satan wants you, Satan has a destiny for you as well. Satan has you a plan for you as well. And he's a little bit more vague. But it has nothing to do with the plan that God wants for you to happen in your life. Satan wants you to be off course. Satan wants you to be trace, chasing false dreams. And Satan doesn't want you to go to. To Nineveh, he wants you to go to Tarsus. I mean, he wants you to go the opposite direction. He wants you to 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 run away, to flee. To And, and the, best, the best case scenario for Satan is to have you going somewhere that you think is the right place and think you're doing the right thing. That's the best case scenario for Satan. Satan really doesn't want you to know 100% that you're doing the wrong thing. Now, he will compromise if you just don't care that you're doing the right thing. He'll take that all day long. But for the most of us, Satan wants us to think that we're doing the right thing for God when it really has nothing to do with what God wants us to do. Amen, William? I, I myself, I could give you testimony, but William, William one time, you know, he, he had an opportunity to come up ministry-wise, but it wasn't the right one, was it? And he got off track, and he went and chased it, and it didn't turn out. Everything that glitters is not gold. The grass isn't always green on the other side. But you know what he did? Instead of getting mad and, and j- bailing out on God, he realized the error of his ways, he, you know, he got back here at the church where he needs to be. And here he is serving today. Because this is where God wanted him to be. Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 3. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder tells, that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you. Hello? To know whether you serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You see? <laughs> not everything's from God. You've got to test it by the word of God. You've got to be tested by the word of God to see the prophetic word come true. But Satan knows your past as well. And but here's the deal. How do you test the word of how, how can you pass the test of the word of God if you don't know the word of God? You don't. Imagine going to college and them saying, "Okay, we're going to have an exam at the end of this semester. We're not going to give you any books, and we're not going to tell you anything. We're just going to go off of presumption and hope." God didn't do that to us. He gave us his Literal words so that our characters could be judged. We could walk with Him and walk into our destiny. Uh, Wednesday nights, what are we doing? We're up here what? Learning the literal word of God. We're learning the storyline. We're, we're learning of all these men who are flesh just like us. How they failed. How they succeeded. Uh, we're learning their stories. We're learning doctrines. We're learning what God wants us to know in our lives so that we can either be like the ones that succeeded or and not fail like the ones that failed. This is what God's doing in our life. And you've got to develop a hunger. And you're not going to be hungry unless you value the Word of God and how it pertains to your life and how it pertains to your test that you pass and how it pertains to you walking in the destiny that God has for you. You've got to understand that. But we test the Word, the prophetic Word, by the Word of God. And number three, I hold to my word. Not only do I submit my word to His word, not only do I test my word, but I hold to the word. 1 Timothy 1, 18-20. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you. That by them you may wage the good warfare. You see, God doesn't want us just to fight and fight without any reasoning, without any rhyme, without any hope of of victory at the end that's going to lead to somewhere. He says that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. Okay? So how how do we wage a good warfare? By holding what? Faith and a good conscience. Now, remember that. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander. Now, I have a grievance with this. He shouldn't have put their names in there, because Jesus wouldn't have done that. Really? Really? I was just joking, for those of you that don't know. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over To Satan. This is Paul who says that if I do things without love. I'm just a noisy brass and tinkling cymbals. He handed them over to Satan. That they may may learn to not blaspheme. And so what I want you to see here is this. Is that we wage the good warfare by two things. Fighting with faith and a good conscience. Now the Bible says that faith come by what? Hearing. And hearing by the. Word of God. So we read the Word we hear it, okay? But what does a good con- conscience come by? Doing the Word of God. So we wage a good warfare, not just by hearing the Word of God, but by doing the Word of God. And so he's telling him, hey, hold to the prophecy that you got about you, about your ministry, that God has called you to, hold to it by doing this. Hearing the Word and doing the Word. Being tested by the word of God, until the prophetic word comes true in your life. Amen? And apparently he says this. He he handed the, the, the ones that refused to do this, who he listed by name, he said that this was blasphemous to not do so. And so if you want to walk in the destiny that God has given you, you've got to walk in his word. You've got to learn his word. You've got to be be tested by the Word of God to walk in the prophetic Word of God in your life. When I I was 12 years old, I surrendered to preach. And and, and, and at about 15, I watched my dad get just done wrong in the churches. And, and And I developed an attitude. I didn't like churches. I didn't like people that went to church. And I had this skewed, distorted view of what church was that so many people today walk in. And from that point, God began to work in my lives. And, and at first, I didn't respond well. I wasn't like Joseph in some of these tests. I responded badly. And I went deeper and deeper into the pit. But one day, I realized, man, I am in a pit. And I repented. And I said, Jesus, I need you. And I got saved. And I said, look, I know that you want me to be a pastor And today I'm going to begin that journey. But it wasn't an overnight deal. It took me, first of all, sacrificing the career I had in the Marine Corps. I said, God, this is not what you want me to have. So when I'm done, I'm going back home. And I came home, went to work right back for the same company that I worked for before I went in the Marine Corps. And I went from being a sergeant marine scout sniper to a bolt-up hand knucklehead. You got picked on every day and all that. But you know what I did? I just let them pick on me. I only threw a wrench at one person. But for the most part, I didn't, you know, I, I held my bearing. And, uh, and so, but, but I learned, okay, God, this is a process. And, and I began to, I, I, I definitely, but I became faithful to church. I began to serve. I began to help. I began to be available. Uh, I began to listen to my, my pastor and my father, uh, you know, and, and, and all this. And, and I remember uh, uh, just a, a little bit into it, coming home, we had what you call a presbytery. And Robert Morris was one of them, Bill Lakey, and uh, Steve Doolin. Well, those the only three. And and what the, the whole church fasted. The whole church. Yeah, well, those that said they would, the honest ones. You know, but the whole church fasted. Robert and the team fasted. And this stage used to be right there with the front, two, you know, between those air handlers. And uh, Robert and them came, and, and they picked 11 couples... And they said, and, and Dad said, these are eleven couples that that I feel have potential in the church, and we're going to let you speak a word over them. And at this time, even though I'm heading into this destiny, I was so insecure about it, and not sure of it. You know, how many of you are thinking God wants me to do this, but you're just not really sure? And I remember being on my knees, and they and they would pray for us. And I mean, nothing crazy. They just walked up, and they and uh, we prayed. And Robert walked up, who's and and, and y'all see Robert? Robert's a Robert's a, a wise guy, and I mean, he's he's you know, got a reputation. I mean he's he's a pretty sharp guy. He's writing books and all these other things. But he walked up and uh he laid his hands on Christy and I. When I was twelve years old, I was at Piney Woods Baptist Encampment. And I was in the very back row because that's where I wanted to be. And at the very last, you know, they were I was just I was trying to see if there was any girls at this all boys camp. I couldn't find any. I was in the very back and I remember they had a call for pastors and missionaries. And, I, and that's one of the most strongest times I ever felt the Lord tug my heart. But I didn't want to become a pastor. Because I've seen what pastors do and what they go through and all these things. But I'm going to tell you this. People like Robert and Olin Griffin and all these guys, they taught us a better way to do church. And by God, it is a better way to do church. Because we don't have political struggles and craziness around here. Amen? I want you to know that. So... But but my but Satan had me thinking and had me my mind corrupted and 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 just distorted, and but I remember, I remember this. I knew God well enough that He is a powerful God and He's a, He's an omnipotent and He's all knowing and He's 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 all these things, and and I think I think at that time in my life I walked the aisle just to get Him off my back, you know, kind of like. Jacob, when he built a little altar, when he said, Oh, God, surely God's here and nobody knew it. You know, then he kind of went off about his business. But, but I remember surrendering to that. But I remember I was the last kid to move. I mean, the altars were full. And here's another deal about that. The altars were full of people that said that night, God, I know that you want me to be a pastor or a missionary, but I guarantee you a very small percentage of them are doing it today. Why? Why? Because they weren't tested by the word to walk into the prophetic word of God. But I made that commitment that night. And I struggled. I mean, dude, it was a wrestling match. And I'm like, I ain't doing this. And God says, yes, you are. No, I'm not. But I end up going down there. And I said, okay, y'all pray for me. I'm going to be a preacher one day. <laughs> and so anyway, so here I am later in my life. I'm like, I don't, I don't feel able. I don't feel I have the ability. I don't feel like I'm good enough. I've done a lot of stupid things in my life. Still doing a lot of stupid things at that time. Not at, just a few today. But, uh, but I remember Robert Morris coming up, and the very first thing he said was this. You know, he's speaking, this is what the Lord's saying. He says, this is what the Lord says. We were taught that you did that. When you give a word, you don't say, hey. You say, this is what the Lord says. I remember wrestling with you under the pines at kids' camp. Piney Woods Baptist Encampment when he said that he got my attention when he said that I just began to cry thinking wow in the back of my mind what I thought was just one day an incident God God for 20 years had been with me even when I didn't know it had been with me even when I was wandering astray trying to get me to a point where his prophetic word could come true. And here's the deal. It didn't become true that day. It was confirmed prophetically. And he said this. He says, set your face like Flint. You know, Flint is hard. He says, set your face towards doing what God called you to do. And we, we moved in with my parents. We began to do all these things that I wouldn't have done otherwise to prepare myself to come and be one day the pastor of this church. You know what, God? Let me tell you something. We're growing, and there's only a few of us pastors. And and for those of you that come from backgrounds where there's one pastor churches, that's the reason why they ain't bigger than what they are. Because one pastor can only do so much. Y'all got to realize I'm not the only pastor here. We got our founding pastor. We got we got Donnie West. We got William, you know, associate pastor here on staff. We got Mickey. We got Nick. You know, we're pastor elders. And the deal deal is is we're gonna need more. As time goes on. We're going to need more deacons to help those elders. And we do we do women and men deacons, right? Because we believe that it's scriptural. And I've seen enough women work in my life to know in the church that if it wasn't for women, the church wouldn't be happening because they do a lot of the work. They do a lot of the stuff. They make it happen. But here's the deal. What is the dream that God has put on your heart? And are you being tested by the Word of God so that you can walk in that prophetic word? Are you being distracted by all these counter-dreams of Satan Are you giving up? Are you not testing it? Are you not holding on to what God has given you? Because I'm going to tell you what Satan is going to try his hardest to get you to drop that dream and walk away from it. Satan is going to do everything he can to, to, to bring people in your life, to try to speak some other sense into your life. Jessica, you know, when she came here to do her dance ministry for free, she was told, You sure that's God? It doesn't make sense. God doesn't always make sense. But the problem is, it's not that God doesn't have any sense. It's we don't have any sense. And we need God to speak into our lives to be able to walk into what God has created for us and what He wants us to do. So I'm asking you today, where are you at in this journey? Are you you trusting in God? I mean, do, do you... Are you coming here just halfway, half-hearted? Are you coming here just haphazardly? Are you, or are you thinking that, hey, God's called me, I'm just going to do it without any accountability, without, without being an authority, without submitting, without, be, without reading and learning His Word? Are you setting your face like Flint to walk in the Word that God has for you? Do you even know what that Word is? Are you looking for it? Are you praying for it? Are you trusting God for it? And there's so many different places that all of you people could be today. Now, you know what? Some of you walked in your destiny at one time, and now you're not. But you know what? You can always go back. You can always begin again what God has for you. The Bible says that we go back to where we had fallen. And what? Repent and do the works that you did at first. So everyone bow your head and close your eyes. Guys, this right here, is a life-changing, pivotal, catalyst moment. I'm not telling you that tomorrow you're going to be in the midst of your destiny and you're going to be fulfilling everything that God has called you to do, but what I'm telling you is this, is your attitude today and your submittance to God, you're submitting His, your word to His word, you're, submit, you're, you're testing the word through His word will lead you to where God wants you to be. But today, you've got to surrender to it. You know what? I didn't even want to be a pastor. But you know what? I knew that when he called me to preach that day, that I better respond and make a deal with Jehovah Jireh, with the Alpha, the Omega, with the man with the plan, with the man that controls everything, with the man that can protect me, with the man that can guide me, With a man that even when I do stupid stuff can guard me from behind. With a man that I know that when I fail if I'm I'm, I'm failing in the presence of God if I'm failing in the plan of God He will rescue me. and He will deliver me from myself and from my enemies. But what's the Holy Spirit telling you today about your life? Some of you need to seek the dream that God has for your life. Some of you need to submit to the word in your life so that you can see that dream come through.